Hello, everyone. My name is Savand, and I welcome you back to the House of Trust. It's a podcast aimed at people who love to invest in social change. In this show, I'm talking to investors who explore what it takes to show up, face uncomfortable truths, and, uh, and they're bold enough to listen, reflect in real time. Together, we look at what amplifies trust, accountability, impact, and we also look at assumptions that slow us down. My guest today is Erika Brodnock. She's a UK-based award-winning entrepreneur. She's a philanthropist and an angel investor. And Erika's work is at the intersection of technology, well-being, and product development. And she made it a purpose to find and clear paths out of outdated systems. We're going to talk to her about all this. Hi, Erika. Hi, Sylvain. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so pleased uh, that that you can um, be free and talk to us uh, today. You are also a PhD candidate and research officer at LSC's uh, The Inclusion Initiative. And you're also co-founder at Extend Ventures, where you are leading research that aims to understand and diversify access to venture capital and innovation finance for ethnically diverse entrepreneurs. And that's not it. You're also the author of Diversity Beyond Gender and a co-author of the Transparent Framework and recently as well, Better Venture. So Rika, what fuels your energy to find and clear paths out of outdated system? Um, so I think for, um, for the most part, the, the work that I do has been centered around problems that I've faced as an individual, whether that be as a parent, when I created Charisma Kids, I was, um, quite fed up of the fact that all of the technology products that were on the market at the time were geared at creating humors of our children. So they were only, encouraged to consume technology or become consumed by technology and I wanted to build something where they were able to start to use technology for their benefit and for good. So I created Charisma Kids at the time that helps children to develop emotional intelligence skills and then to use those skills um, to learn how to, um, to, to, to just kind of be the best versions of themselves. I've um, since gone on to to look at uh, the access to funding, particularly venture capital funding by ethnically diverse entrepreneurs. And that was mainly because when I was running Charisma Kids, um, I found it impossible to fundraise and really considered hiring in a white male CEO um, mm-hmm. in order to um, to kind of be able to enable my business to progress and to proceed. I felt that, you know, that wasn't fair uh, because, you know, at the time we were being told that all businesses were being judged on merits and we had enough merit as a company to be able to to fundraise, but I just still couldn't do it. That led to me taking an MBA and then to um, eventually uh, the PhD in behavioural science that looks at diversifying that access. So, as I say, I find that many of the problems that I've faced are problems that are being faced by much broader communities than just myself. And then, you know, if I don't solve them, who will? 
Wow. And so the, 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 um, there's a wealth of ideas that can come out of all this, I imagine. And what, what more came up for you during this, this kind of bumpy journey? So there are a whole host of problems out there. And I think that part of the biggest issue that I see with venture funding being as kind of centred around traditional male, white, uh, elitely educated entrepreneurs means that actually the problems that exist for communities that sit outside of that don't <coughs> end up being solved. So one example is that um, Asian women are three times more likely to die in the child rearing period than their um, white counterparts. Black women are four times more likely to um, to die in the child rearing pe- period than their white counterparts. And there isn't anything at the moment that solves that issue. Kinhub is the most recent company that I founded, and that exists to ensure that everybody is listened to and that everybody receives personalised care throughout life's journeys. And so we seek to solve the issue of people not being listened to, of people being assumed to have thicker skin or um, to feel less pain or the kind of one-size-fits-all approach to healthcare that has seen this these disparities created in the first place. Now, if people like me aren't given any funding in order to ensure that our businesses are able to thrive, um, we end up in situations where those those statistics persist, those disadvantages persist, and actually over time they keep increasing and being magnified. And that just impacts all of society. And it also causes problems for the VCs themselves who are missing out on outsized returns through solving some of these problems that exist in communities that they're just currently overlooking. Wow. So we've, I feel that the impact, you know, you know, the social impact, environmental impact, uh, funding ecosystem still has got a lot of homework to do. I wonder what, what do you think they should experiment with to address this uncomfortable truth that you've just enumerated that's still not getting solved? So I think that the best thing to do is start to befriend people and get to know people that they wouldn't ordinarily um, associate with. It's a known fact that people make investments based on gut instinct and and gut feel um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to any of the things like data. I mean, we all say that we make database decisions. Very few people actually do. Um, We tend to make system one decisions, which are emotional decisions, Mm -hmm. and then we will back that up with logic and system two thinking once the decision has already been made and confirmation bias and all sorts of other bits and pieces enable us to justify those decisions in our mind once we we'd already made the emotional decision uh, there is also a, a phenomenon called homophily um, which says that actually we like people that are most like us or that we already know and that we're already associated with so for example what we see is that 70% of the money that's invested into early stage venture goes to founding teams that have been to top 10 universities across the US and the UK. That happens because 
70% or more of the um, venture capitalists have been to those same universities. And if you've been to my university, I believe that you are the smartest out there because actually there's that homophily that says that, you know, I, I know you, I trust you. We think in the same way. Um, mm. Similarly, if I'm the same gender as you or that I'm the same ethnicity as you, it's much easier for me to find common ground with you and and build the camaraderie that's needed to get the deal um, from from start to close. It's, it, do you know what I feel is, I mean, there's maybe sometimes not malevolence in doing that, that people find they're comfortable to be you know, um, um, unrolling others they know or they seem to recognize. But where's the where's the space for dream and imagination and risk in there? That's the thing. There isn't the space for genuine uh, imagination and innovation. And this is why I was saying that in, in reality, venture capitalists are missing out on opportunities that they could have if, uh, for outsized returns from um, groups that are being overlooked because of that uh, uh, homogeneity that is occurring as a result of homophily. So mm. I think that the a first step that people can take is getting to know somebody different. I sit on panels all the time and people listen to me speak and, and they're sometimes surprised that I, I can be eloquent. They are um, surprised that I'm I'm friendly rather than aggressive, um, and you know people won't necessarily display this outwardly, but if you look at microaggressions, you can start to see that coming through. I think that actually, if people got to know me rather than just looking skin deep, um, they would understand that I'm I'm quite you know um i'm i'm just a normal person um mm. like everybody else and there isn't the need to fear me and i think that if people start to um understand that that a lot of the fear based uh, stereotypes and and information that is out there has been information that was created in um, the times of abolition when people were making or creating propaganda because they wanted slavery to continue as opposed to being true now today then they would make different decisions but until you get to know somebody and you understand that actually all of the things that you once feared aren't really necessarily true you just don't know what you don't know so it's interesting because it feels as if the opposite of fear is curiosity absolutely Ah, so in your extend venture report, the diversity beyond gender, which which relates a little, there's some information in there that you just mentioned. I read the the opening quote, and I wanted to just drop it uh, by you again. That opening quote by Les Brown: "The wealthiest mm-hmm. place on the planet is the graveyard, because in the graveyard we will find inventions that we were never ever exposed to." ideas, dreams that never became a reality. And I wonder what what, what would make it easier for investors to, to accept that dreaming and that curiosity and that imagining without fear as an avenue to, to create more inclusive wealth? I think that 
as I say, the first step comes with getting to know people. Mm-hmm. I think if you're able to get to know people and understand that there's far more that, that unites us than separates us and um, and you get to know people and start to listen to their ideas and their thinking and their um, their visions for the future, then you you open yourself up to the possibilities of being able to um to go on those journeys with those entrepreneurs to understand them and to facilitate those journeys and that's the job of um of a venture capitalist or an impact investor is to facilitate the dreams of of someone that has the kind of creativity and the imagination for um for innovative advance i i genuinely believe that at the moment, we have a world in which there are a, a multitude of bias. If we're going to correct any of those biases going forward, we need to make sure that all um, sectors of society have a seat at the table in the creation of the future. And um, with these investments that are being made now, are creating the the future that we'll see tomorrow. If we're not making sure that that's fair and unbiased at this point, it will con- the the biases that exist today will just continue to kind of be proliferated through the ages. Particularly with the advancement of AI, they will be magnified. Um, so it's imperative that we we do start to just think a little bit outside of our networks and outside of the box on this. Mm, so curiosity to facilitating other people's dreams. I read that the job description of investors and we need to really um, accelerate that pace. Otherwise, we're going to be totally overwhelmed by <laughs> the, the kind of technology that could be also misused in that sense. It strikes me that in all the work you do, and, and we've, we go back a long time, so I remember interviewing you for a research on women in social entrepreneurship. Uh, back then, <laughs> that was a European research. But it strikes me that that the values that that are coming up in, in you, your work, they are transparency, fairness, convening, dreaming, activating, facilitating. And I wonder which one has got m- most muscle and, and how does it help you show up? I think that convening and agitating I would say are um, the the things that I do best it's kind of pulling people together around something that needs to be changed and lighting a fire that that can continue to burn long beyond myself is the hope for lots of the work that I do oh it's beautiful and you co-authored a piece of work with the LSE and MasterCard called the Transparent Framework, which aims to create real and systemic change for Black professional women in finance, big tech, and professional services. Also, there was some agitation and convening as well going on there. And so for our audience, the Transparent Framework, Transparent is in the acronym for Team Culture, Role Models, Advocacy, Networks systemic change, pay, authenticity, real identity, experience, networks, again, but the external network as opposed to internal, and training. And it strikes me that there's the interconnectedness of all these elements that contribute to creating a better working environment for for everyone here. And I wonder what is is your call to action here, um, Erica? 
So rising tides um, raise all boats. And if you make an environment that's conducive for a black woman to work in, we've proven with the precursor to that research that um, black women are the least likely to be in the top 1% of earners and the least likely to thrive in corporate environments. Um, and that's not through um, a deficiency on their part. It's through uh, toxic environments for the most part. And so if you're able to create environments in which black women are able to thrive, then everybody else is able to to do better as well. And I guess uh, from my own perspective, I haven't worked in corporate um, environments for many years, um, but I do believe that Black women need to start to earn as much as their white peers. They need to start to uh, to build intergenerational wealth for future generations. And they need to be able to have expendable income that they can invest in the technology that um, I was talking about that is going to shape the future. So if we create environment, um, corporate environments that are enabling black women to thrive and reach the pinnacle of their careers, we will, we, we will therefore create income into communities that are historically underfunded and we can start to create some um, mechanisms and ecosystems for funding startups ourselves. Mm, of course, but it makes total sense. And but I wonder, Rika, what more did you learn by doing this um, this piece of work that that you didn't expect, I I learned an incredible amount about the resilience of Black women. the The number of women I I did a listening tour with forty women, and the number of women that um kind of ex you know explained that they needed to move out of their organisations consistently in order to move up in their careers. That you know tales of harassment, sexual harassment, out and out racism, microaggressions, you know, the 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 experience, the collective experience of um black women in UK corporations is is one that is not easy. And I think that again, if I'm able to start to to create conversations that ensure that when women are being considered, black women are also being considered, that for me is a fire that will burn long long after I've left uh, this earthly plane and will ensure that we create a, a stronger future for those that come after me. And that's that's really uh, a key thing there. The, the most important thing that I learned, though, through that research, Sylvain, was that actually when black women had been, been able to thrive within organisations, there was usually an empathetic um, white male ally and sometimes a white female ally that had uh, provided some advocacy and sponsorship um, for that black female to be able to kind of get to um, to to where she had gotten, somebody took it under, uh, uh, took her under their wing, or made her success their business. Um, mm. And I think that that's one of the most important lessons um, for the community that's going to be listening to this podcast: mm -hmm. befriending, understanding, getting to know. And using your privilege, no matter how small that privilege may be, to ensure that you extend sponsorship and advocacy to someone who has less privilege than you is the, the, the most important thing that you could do for 2023, in my opinion.
Wow. So that's interesting because I, I connect that back to what you said earlier, where you were adamant that people needed that curiosity, but they need to facilitate as well yeah. things to happen. So that, that brings us back to, back to the your initial comments. So I've got a little game for you. It's a future thinking game. So imagine we are in 2033, you know, a few years ahead of us. And I wonder, you speak from the present, 2033, what has happened recently that keeps making the headline for you, do you think? Okay, so in in my ideal world, what's recently happened is that there's a a thriving ecosystem of um, venture capital and unicorns in the UK. We've gone from the the number of unicorns that we have now i think it's around about 150 to 700 unicorns over the um the last 10 years and the number of unicorns that exist now that are led by black company uh, black founders is equal to their their proportion in society wow and knowing that this is happening we're still in 2033 what do you think is the behaviour that had made this possible for people in the sector? So the we stopped uh, offering mentoring programmes and skills development programmes and started to ensure that entrepreneurs had the capital, the connections and the contracts that they needed to get their early stage businesses off the ground. Um, and those businesses grew and they exited for uh, for billion dollar valuations. And then there was an ecosystem that had been created, which meant that those who had exited reinvested back into the new entrepreneurs. And, um, and then we created a flywheel uh, that ensured that actually uh, the access problem the pipeline problem that doesn't even exist at the moment um, just just com- completely frittered away. There were new diverse entrepreneurs coming through all the time because they saw role models that they were able to look up to. They realised that entrepreneurship was for them. They they felt as though they belonged in that sector. And they were then funded. They went and sold uh, into corporations who also accepted the sale at the end of the day and bought from them. So um, supply chains became more diverse over the years. And, you know, now that we're in 2020 to 2033, um, we see that businesses are buying from entrepreneurs that come from all walks of life, not just the, the historic ones. Oh, wonderful. So that's the future we should all aspire to uh, to reach, to connect, to reconnect with. So thank you so much for sharing these stories of connectedness, facilitation, allyship, and and just care for everyone. Um, thank you, Erica. It was a pleasure talking with you. An absolute pleasure to speak with you too. Thanks again for having me. Thank you. So I look forward to welcoming you all back to the House of Trust again next time. To get the next episode, subscribe to the show anywhere you can find your podcast under Be and Think in the House of Trust. For more insights and opportunities to think independently for yourself or your team, head to my website, savanmoison.co.uk and sign up for my regular Conscious Innovation Updates. 
And this is all for people who love to invest in social change and ignite a positive impact. So I look forward to connecting with you soon. Goodbye.